Well, good morning, and welcome to those who are also with us online. We're glad that you're here. Uh, welcome to our new series entitled, The Ability to Produce Wealth. And as you read that title, uh, some are perhaps inclined to think, that sounds a little materialistic, doesn't it? Um, others may think that the ability to produce wealth maybe is a sign of God's favor. But uh, we have to be careful. Um, being wealthy doesn't necessarily translate into being godly, right? In fact, it could be just the opposite. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, the idea that uh, wealth is a sign of the favor of God has been around for a long time. Um, all the way back, it's been circulating in the minds of people all the way back since uh, Job and Abraham. So the followers of Jesus, they found it a bit strange when Jesus said, it's more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They're like, what? And uh, so they questioned Jesus. They said, if that's true, if it's harder for that person to enter the kingdom of God, then who can be saved? And their reasoning went something like this. If you're a good person, then God will bless you, right? Even financially. And so they, they said to Jesus, you know, if a good person would have a hard time entering the kingdom of God, then who can go there? You know what's wrong with that question? The disciples assumed that entering the kingdom of God was based on their goodness. But Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And can you imagine the disciples hearing that for the very first time? They were just like, you know, it takes a renewed mind. It takes the mind of Christ to grasp the significance that it's not about our goodness. It's about his goodness and receiving his goodness when we receive him. It's a gift. In the same way, the ability to produce wealth is also a gift from God. Every heartbeat, every breath, Every talent, every ability, every opportunity is a chance to take what we have. It's a gift to take what we have and grow it. In the parable of the talents, people were given resources. They were given an ability to produce wealth. Notice the Bible does not say that they were given a lottery ticket. They were given resources. And they were given an ability to use those resources to take what they have and make it grow into something bigger. The ability is the gift. This series is about honoring God while at the same time using our God-given abilities to produce wealth. Let's pray. Our Father... Thank you for this gift of life. Lord, thank you for everything that we have. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to grow. Thank you for the gifts and abilities that you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom to be able to walk that fine line, to stay on the straight and narrow so that we don't get off track with the thinking from this world. But Lord, would you be our teacher and reveal truth uh, to help us walk in a way that honors you and at the same time being good stewards of everything that you've given us. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this series is practical. We're going to talk about what you can do. Um, but before we do that, we need to lay a foundation. That's very important because we don't want to make the mistake of doing things for God in place of doing things with God. You know, I began to experience God when I was 20 years old. Three years later, I found myself involved in campus ministry, and one day I met with John. John was our leader. And John said, hey, Mark, how's it going? What's happening in your relationship with God? And I said, well, this week I, uh, I witnessed to this many people, and I memorized two new verses, and I met with my Bible study guys, thinking all of that would impress him, right? And then he asked me a very insightful question. He said, are you doing things and calling it spending time with God? Or are you actually spending time with God? And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's a really good question. You know, Martha, she was serving Jesus, but she was making sandwiches Jesus never ordered. On the other hand, Mary, she was listening to Jesus. And so let's not make the mistake of asking Jesus to join us and what we're doing, but to make sure that we're listening to Jesus and joining what he's doing. Let's be listening to Jesus and joining what he's doing. Keep that in mind as we read Deuteronomy chap uh, chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Uh, by the way, uh, this is a four-week series. All of it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And today, we're going to focus just on verse 1 to lay the foundation. All the commandments that I am commanding you today. By the way, this is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. He says, all the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, so that you may live and increase and go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. Now this verse contains a condition and a promise. The condition is to be, is to be careful to do everything that God has commanded us to do. The promise is that when we do, you will live and increase and go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. Now, I think we all know this verse is not saying that if you follow God, you will inherit a house in Israel. Okay, the promise, <laughs> the promise is, but you do have a destiny. You do have a destiny in God, and you are invited to receive and apprehend that God-given inheritance by faith. And if you will follow God's ways, Moses says you will live, and you will increase, and you will go in, and you will take hold of your God-given destiny. Now the challenge for all of us is, how in the world do I do that? So let's take a closer look. What are all these commandments that Moses is referring to? Well, it'll help to understand Israel's situation. Remember, the Israelites um, had been freed from slavery, and they left Egypt. And so now, um, by, by the time we get to this place in Deuteronomy, they're about to enter the Promised Land. But keep in mind, this is a new group of people. Do you know why? 
because their parents all died. So this is literally a new group of people, a new generation. This group had not been there to see what God did in Egypt. They were not there to see what God did at the Red Sea. They were not there at Mount Sinai when God spoke from the mountain and the ground shook and the mountain shook and the people freaked out and they said, don't talk to us anymore. And so then Moses, God had to use Moses to be able to speak to them about things like the Ten Commandments. So this is a new group. They weren't there for all of that. And so Moses had to teach them all over again. It's like being a school teacher. Any school teachers here? Raise your hand. Okay, we have a few. Yes, I see you. So every school year, you get a new batch of students, right? And what is the first thing you do at the beginning of the school year? You go over the rules and you go over the expectations for my classroom. You know, if you're at work and you have a new employee, somebody has to orient the new employee to all the ins and outs of how we do things in this workplace. If you're a parent and you have child number two, three, or four, you have to start all over again and teach them how to walk and how to talk and how to eat and how to read. You go all the way back to square one and you build from there. Well, that's the situation. That's what's happening with Moses. This is a new generation. And so he has to repeat the whole curriculum, everything. God, everything God's done in almost 40 years, um, he's going all the way back to slavery in Egypt to the present, all the miracles, all the teachings. And so what is that? Well, here's a summary. That includes the Ten Commandments, instructions about hygiene, instructions about a healthy diet, healthy food, instructions about worship and family life, even government and the judicial system. That's what he's talking about when he said, you shall be careful to do everything I am commanding you today. Well, that's the expanded version of verse 1. It's also a summary of the entire book of Deuteronomy. So let's read verse 1 again. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do. Now this is Moses giving instructions, and why does he do this? So that you may live, and increase, and go in, and take possession of the land the Lord promised to your forefathers. So, in summary, Moses is giving instruction about how to live the blessed life in the promised land. May I suggest that you keep in mind his audience. He's talking to the next generation. And so may I suggest that, role, that, that Moses is a role model for those of you who have already been through the desert seasons of life for more than 40 years. There is no substitute for experience. There is none. If you're an older person, this is a reminder that you have a very important role in God's kingdom. During World War II, as you know, the Marines landed here and in Saipan. When they landed in Saipan, they got a beachhead and they dug in for the first night. When they woke up, the next morning the sun rose, they looked out at the horizon and to their shock, the entire Navy fleet that brought them to the island was gone. And all of a sudden, this mission became do or die. Well, we know how that story ended. 
But later they found out the reason that the Navy fleet had left is naval intelligence discovered that the Japanese fleet was coming down to the Northern Marianas to bring supplies to her troops. And so the Navy ship went out to meet them in mid-ocean. They both sent up their fighter jets and it was a terrible loss for Japan. Because for every single US pilot that got shot down, they lost 12 Japanese pilots. That dogfight was nicknamed the Great Turkey Shoot. Later, they discovered the reason that the Japanese pilots did so poorly. They were in the habit of putting their veteran pilots on the battlefield. So the new guys who were back home in training, they didn't have the corporate memory from those who had the experience. They had new people teaching new people. On the other hand, the US military, they took their veterans, took them back home in the training camp to teach the new guys, son, when you're at 30,000 feet and it's do or die, this is what you do. And you cannot find this in a textbook. In the same way, for those of you who have known the Lord and have learned a few lessons about overcoming the schemes of the enemy, I want to encourage you that when you're in your small groups, when you're in life group, be sure to share the life lessons in God's kingdom that the younger ones need to hear so that then when they're in the dogfight of life at 30,000 feet and it's do or die, they have a coach and they're going to come back home. Tell them what you learned about the Word of God. Tell them about following God so that they will live and they will increase and they will go in and they will possess their God-given destiny. In verse 11, Moses gives an important reminder for all of us. Verse 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments. Now, if you think about that for a moment, that's, that's an interesting statement. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments. You know, if you think about that for a moment, it sounds a little strange. I mean, how could failing to keep God's commandments cause you to forget God? I mean, if you think about it, that's a little difficult to forget God, isn't it? I mean, we all have our Bible app. You know, you've got your favorite Christian music. Your friends forward you links for good worship songs and sermons that they found meaningful. I mean, you see a beautiful sunset. How could anybody possibly forget God? It's kind of like your birthday. You're not going to forget your birthday, right? But are you thinking about it all the time? No, we're not. Forgetting is not about forgetting God in general. It's about forgetting God in the moment. Because if we forget God in the moment, the enemy can take advantage. It's kind of like playing a competitive sport. Uh, when you're in the game, especially if it's a championship, there is no room for distraction. You've got to be laser-focused, 100% on what you're doing. I know that can sound exhausting as a lifestyle in your relationship with God, but a lot of what it means to abide in God is about resting in God. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, Abiding in God is not exhausting. It's life-giving. It's life-giving. But doing that 24-7 is easier said than done. 
You know, I was talking to an older person in the Lord, and I really appreciated his transparency. You know, he was telling me about his devotional life, and he said, you know, one day I just decided, I said, God, I'm really going to intently focus on you right now. And then he said that lasted about two minutes, and we both laughed. (laughs) I mean, you know how it goes, right? I mean, you're trying to have some quality time alone with God, and then all of a sudden you get a a WhatsApp notification that says you just got a new message, and then all of a sudden your mind is down a different trail, right? I mean, isn't that the way it goes? You know, to be honest, our relationship with God uh, looks a little bit more like this. We'll put a diagram up here. Now, I know the, the print is a little small, especially if you're, you know, here in the auditorium, we have a big screen. If you're watching online, I apologize. If you're watching on a device, it's a little too difficult to read. But um, just listen to my voice. I'll explain. So the circle up at the top, uh, that represents our relationship with God. And so when we walk in faith and obedience, there is a joy in the Lord and fellowship with Him. We're experiencing the fruits of the Spirit and God meeting our needs. So there's a spiritual health. But periodically, uh, we experience a temptation. And at that point of temptation, there's like a fork in the road right here. And that's the important thing I want to focus on today. What happens when you experience temptation, when you experience the fork in the road? Because we have two choices. One, you could continue to remember God's presence and walk with Him through faith and obedience. Or we could choose to go to an old habit or a pattern that we use to try and get our needs met. Now, it usually happens when you're tired, you're hungry, you're stressed out, and you're like, man, I just need something to help me feel better. And usually there's something that we go to, whatever it is. I don't even want to mention examples because that'll kind of maybe eliminate you. But we all have something that we go to. And just, just think about what that is for you. And sometimes it's not a really bad situation that we're in. Sometimes it can be more subtle. Maybe it's just, I'm bored. I'm bored. What am I going to do tonight? And so then I just spend hours browsing online all night long. You know, whatever it is for you, um, we have to ask ourselves, what's happening right here when I'm at that fork in the road? And if we go to an old habit or pattern, and this diagram is called ritualization. The root word is ritual, meaning it's an old habit or pattern. It's something that we go to to get our need met. Unfortunately, it's a way that we do that outside of God. It becomes a substitute for God. And it's not good. Because you know what the Bible calls a substitute for God? It's called an idol. And idols are bad. Wherever there is an idol, there is always a sacrifice. And you don't want to sacrifice your marriage, or your health, or your career, or God forbid, even your life. So idols are no good. And so every time we do that, though, there's consequences. You know, we're in sin, there's guilt and frustration, maybe some shame, and now we're down here in the defeat of disobedience. And we could be down there for any length of time. It could be six minutes, it could be six years, just depending. But at some point we say, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to go back to God. And so we make a decision and we turn to God, that's called repentance, And we say, God, I'm sorry for the way I've been. And Lord, would you forgive me? And then by his grace, can you believe it? He forgives us. And he restores our joy and our fellowship, even if it's been years. 
And so then we're back in fellowship with God and he's meeting our needs and we're feeling good. But there again, somewhere along the way, temptation comes. And so when we're in that moment of temptation, if we go to the old pattern, the old habit, if we go to the old idol, there's something that happens in that moment. Now, this is an invisible thing. Uh, you can't see it. It's kind of like a spiritual, psychological thing, but I just want to explain it briefly. Uh, what happens is we're at that fork in the road. We're having to make a choice. I'm either going to choose God's way or my old way. And in that moment, if we choose to go the old way, inside, it's almost as if in the mind of our heart, we just kind of push God out and say, no. I'm going to do my own thing. And in that moment, when we fail to follow his commands, we forget God. That's how that happens. The word of God is inspired. What Moses says here is important. When we fail to obey, we forget God. I want to say a little bit about that struggle that we go through. Um, there's, there's a solution. I don't want us to feel down. There's hope. God has a way. The sinful nature, the sinful mind, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God. You can't tame it. You can't reform it. You can't re-educate it. You cannot bring it into submission by the strength of your will. There's only one way to deal with it. Jesus took it to the cross to kill it, to crucify it, to overcome it by the power of the cross and the resurrection. And so Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is not a pretty, cutesy little sermon where you can hear some Bible stories for self-help. This is warfare. This is spiritual warfare using spiritual weapons, like the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection in the power of faith to overcome the sinful nature, the spiritual battle to overcome principalities and powers, and the ability to overcome the current in the culture of this corrupt world in which we live that we are traveling through on our way home. Fight the good fight of faith and faithfulness to God. Today's message is about two things. Obey and remember. This is a four-part series about the ability to produce wealth. But before we even get into that topic, we have to lay a foundation. And the foundation is obey and remember God. Do you know who else said the very same thing? Obey and remember? Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to what? To obey. Everything I have commanded you. And what? And remember I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Obey and remember. As I near the end, I have a question for you. Do you know the difference between a wise person and a foolish person? Jesus was teaching a crowd of people when he said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them 
will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it the wise person is the one who hears the words of god and he does them the foolish person is the one who hears the same words and he does not do them if you want to maximize your ability to produce wealth be careful to obey everything that jesus commanded and remember the Lord in everything that you do. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this life. And thank you, Lord, that you have given us insight and wisdom about the way it works in your kingdom. And so, God, I ask that you would make us wise people people who hear your words and put them into practice. And Father, I pray that you would drive out any foolishness by your loving discipline and teach us how to walk the straight and narrow path of loving you with all our heart, mind, and soul. And so if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to give you a moment just to do some business with God. As you've been focusing on the word, perhaps the Lord has maybe highlighted something in your life that he is inviting you to do. And I want to give you a chance to respond to God, whatever that may be. And just take a moment to do some business with God. if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just continue to take some time alone with God. But I'd like to address another group of people who may be here today. As you're listening to me talk about God's kingdom, about a relationship with Him, perhaps you sense that God's been trying to get your attention lately. In fact, that has a lot to do with why you're here. You may be searching in your heart. You're thinking, you know what, it feels like something is missing. I'm not sure, but it might be a relationship with God. And so you're searching. And if that describes you, um, and you'd like to experience God, but you've never made a conscious choice to invite him into your life, if you've not actually made um, a decision, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Um, it's real simple. It's just expressing the desire of your heart to God, which is what we call prayer. And so what I'll do is I'll pray out loud. You can pray along with me. God will hear you. But before I do, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. So if that describes you, go ahead and look up at this time, and then we'll take a moment to pray. Here. Here. No. here 
Yes? Okay, good. Anybody else? Back here? Okay, I see you there. Very good. And here? Great. All right, anybody on this side? Right here? Okay, good. Anybody else? If I missed you sweeping by, just raise your hand. I don't want to miss anybody. Okay, very good. Let's pray. Yes, God, I, I do sense that you've been getting my attention recently. And that's part of why I'm here today. And so, God, I want to take a step toward you, a step of faith. And I'm making a choice to open up. And I'm inviting you to come in and be a part of my life. And I ask you to forgive me for things I've done, things I'm not proud of, things that have hurt people, even myself. And Lord, I thank you for Jesus for taking my place and forgiving me. And I receive your forgiveness today. I receive your spirit of forgiveness into mine. And if you're praying this prayer, just go ahead and take a moment to do that. Just trusting God to come into your life. Let him come in and be with you. This is the moment he's been waiting for. God, I, I do, I open up and I, I invite you in and I thank you for coming into my life and I receive your forgiveness. I receive your son, Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would take my life and you would give me a new start. Lord, give me a fresh start. It hadn't been working so well the way I was doing it. I ask that you would teach me your ways and I ask that you would reveal yourself to me and allow me to grow in my relationship with you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a hand to all those who prayed that prayer. And if you did, I want to ask you to do two things. Number one, tell a friend. Chances are the people that have been talking to you about God, they've made the same choice. You can learn together and grow together. Secondly, we have a little gift for you. It's a little booklet called One to One. Just come on over to this visitor table. Uh, we'll connect with you, give that to you. That'll help you get started in your relationship with God. We'd like to help you do that. Sound good? Well, God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Elevate.